Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, CEO of the Deerdeck Machine, a one of a kind venture creation studio where we manufacture amazing companies using our process we call the machine method. It is our passion to create companies with like-minded, do-or-dire entrepreneurs. And this show is all about the lessons that we have learned along the journey. On today's episode, our latest and greatest and newest super-do-or-dire entrepreneur, Ryan Babenzine. You know, look, when you have a chance to partner with a guy like Ryan, you jump on it. You know, we have a machine method process here. It's very methodic. We go through the discovery phase, the diligence phase. And when we get through that, we decide that that golden gate, are we going to pull that trigger? And that usually, you know, takes a a couple of months to really get through. We want to understand that entrepreneur, understand the idea. But every now and again, Uh, There's going to be a grade A superstar entrepreneur with an absolutely amazing idea that you kind of push back through the whole process and you just want to get to a deal. And that is exactly what we did with this concept. I think everybody's going to really understand why after listening to him, what a world-class entrepreneur he is and how lucky we are to be able to create this new venture Jolie together. Ryan Babenzine, welcome to Build with Rob. Welcome to the Deer Deck Machine. Welcome to Beverly Hills, California, to the penthouse where the Deer Deck Machine lives and sits. My friend, the first time that we have ever met each other is right here, right now on this podcast in this day because we now are partners in a brand new venture. Can you believe it? I can't, man. It's good to meet you. It's good to meet you. I mean, who would have thought in this day and age? That you can meet somebody for the first time over Zoom. Because think about it, even if it was like a year ago, we would have had to call on the phone and then fly somewhere and meet to decide whether or not we could do a business together pre-COVID. But instead now it's like, okay, I know this guy's track record. <laughs> I like the way that he's thinking. This is the right idea. Let's just get a deal done, right? Like, And, and that's really kind of what happened. And you know, I, I'd love to, yeah, first I'd like to, to kind of understand what led you to ultimately connecting with Brian and, and wanting to reach out and connect with us as kind of being the right partners for you for this new idea? Well, it wasn't what you think. And, and so, Brian, I wrote this email. I got next was in the subject line. Yeah. And really what I was just saying is like, I'm working on something new. That's yeah. what that really meant. I just hadn't talked to Brian. I was like, hey, I'm going to just check in and see what's up. It wasn't about Let's be partners. Yeah, yeah. It was, I just want to share what I'm, what I'm working on. And yeah. he hit me back in like a minute. Yeah. Like he, I sent him the email, tell him what I'm doing, because it was in sort of stealth mode for about six, six months. Yeah. Two calls on the weekend, then it's like with you. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, that was the fastest I've ever seen yeah. a deal come together. Yeah, no, it was... But, but the point of me getting to Brian was just to tell him what I was working on. Yeah, well, you lit a fire. You know what I mean? Brian has a ton of respect for you, just just an admiration of, of just sort of you as an entrepreneur and what you did with greats. And I'd love to kind of to get some insight to that. And, and I think that sort of trust in your experience and then, you know, you just hear an idea... And you know someone that has deep experience in running a company and then sees an opportunity in a much different way and wants to attack it. You just know it's a a much cleaner, clearer opportunity to go and ride with, right? I think that's that's why it was a shotgun venture creation wedding. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that you never even meet a guy till you're on a podcast. Like, let's you just like get to work. Wiring money and I never even knew you. I was like, oh right. man, it feels so good <laughs> to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Just go, send it down to the accountants and send it out east. <laughs> We're building again, right? Like, it's just some sort of next level, level venture building. So, so look, so I would love to to understand your passion for being an entrepreneur and sort of your last venture and, and the experience you got from that and what you ultimately learned that led to creating uh, the concept that we're doing together. So it basically came down to I was tired of basically giving my work and my ideas and my effort to other people. And I, I just got tired of that. And I was like, I'm going to 
this had always been in my head for years. This wasn't new, but I just was tired of working for people. And, and at that point, you were doing work in marketing and footwear brands and different work for, for agencies, like all different Yeah, I had a things. career and I actually had two different careers, one in Hollywood and then one in footwear as a marketing director or executive ultimately. And, you know, my brother's in the game. My brother was at Supreme for 15 years. Now he has his own brand as well called Noah little shout out. But we had just grown up in this space, but I was ready to sort of go do something on my own. And, and let me ask you, like at that point where it's like, okay, I'm sick of making everybody else Money. rich more or less, <laughs> right? Because it's like, you know, it is that age old, like you, you almost see it in memes on Instagram all day, like spend a lifetime making somebody else rich or do it yourself, you know, whatever the meme version of that is. But that really is the moment where you decide to like, I'm going to take this leap and and build a company. At that point, like when you think about what you knew uh, in that era, was that probably like 2012, mm-hmm. 2000, 2013, uh, 13, like compared to what you know today? Like what, what, what do you think of the Ryan that started that company, uh, in 2013 as it, as it relates to his view of what it would be like to create a company? Well, these are vastly different planes of knowledge. And, yeah. and I had a knowledge of culture, streetwear, footwear, marketing. I did not have a knowledge of building something from zero to somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I think founders are a unique breed. I actually think you're sort of, you're born, you're not made. You yeah. know, I, I spoke at MIT School of Entrepreneurship once and there's a very famous professor who wrote this very famous book on entrepreneurialism and, and he sort of said, hey, we'd like you to come speak. And I said, look, I just want to warn you that I don't believe what, <laughs> that, that, what you're teaching. And he said, great. We yeah. love yeah. contrarian views on what we're trying to teach. And, you know, these are like some of the smartest people in the world, but they're just, they may or may not be entrepreneurs is what I was getting at. Their education doesn't make an entrepreneur. So when I started Greats and ultimately sold it, that journey created a different knowledge base that I didn't have before. I thought I could do it. Yeah. But man. Hey, but before, but yeah, think about it, it, that yeah. though, right? Think about that because I'm cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I've started 26 companies, right? That and, is unbelievable. Right. And, and since I was, you know, 17 years old, but I did it in so many different ways. It wasn't until I launched, I, I launched the machine in 2016 and wanted to begin to systematize it so I could organize my learning. Right. And really begin to see even then after so many years of experience. And then, you know, I did so many companies, you know, 15 over the last few years, the depth now, now I was looking at it as like, how can I learn more versus like when I did all the companies when I was younger, it was just like, let's just figure it out. You know what I mean? Like you, it's a, and I often look back on education as well, man, if I would have been, if I would have at least learned the fundamentals, the way I would have approached business would have been so much different than like this gunslinger, full will, grit, determination, and like relentless, relentless work ethic just to make things come alive versus where now like I operate from this, this point of view of, of seeing business in, in the multidimensional way and then trying to expand my knowledge in all aspects of it. That's why I ask you about how much you learn, because I know without even saying it, that like 2013 to 2020 is two entirely different human. You like, cause think about, I, I like to say that you used to, like you would look at it, your depth of field was, was narrow and, and shallow. And now it's just like wide and deep, right? Like it's just a different sort of lens having that level of experience. But I'd love to, to really just hear sort of the, the journey and, and just sort of your process and some of the stuff you learned and just kind of from, from zero to the exit with grades. Well, I mean, that journey is, is, is unique for everybody. Right. And I think we glamorize and publicize these ultimate unicorn wins. That's how people think of startup land or entrepreneurs. Like if you're not Elon Musk, then you're not anybody. And that's just not true. Yeah. There's just a, a, a spectrum of, of business scale 
And sometimes you learn more with the failures or the losses at the lower end than you do when you hit, you know, a B. Yeah. Because to hit a B, it's not about execution alone. It's yeah. not about a good idea alone. There's a bunch of other things that are just out of your control that go in your favor that generally create that level yeah. of headline news success. Yeah. And like, funny enough, like today, a company that I was in the same fund invention, like this venture investor invested in both of us, him about six months before and me six months later. Well, that company went public today. Mm -hmm. on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. Grace has not. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Oh, man. I could just feel the like, oh, man, as, as you were just letting it out about six months before, we both, you just said these, you're drinking, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but so, so the journey for me, though, look, I, I hey, think- Walk us through that. Like, tell us sort of the- well, like, I think like, the commonality of, a, of an entrepreneur, though, is the same, regardless of the outcome. And I yep. think that Entrepreneur's job is to turn red lights into green lights on a minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week basis. Yeah. Because it is nothing but hurdles and adversity for the most part. You're starting something from nothing. And whether that's a revenue goal or a production plan or uh, how many pairs we're going to sell or how many units we want to sell or do we want to open this store, those are generally met with challenge. Yep. It's not like this inviting, come on in, you're new, great, we'd love hey, to have you. Hey, spoken like a hardened <laughs> entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it is like, there is, there's a lot of talk to this day and age about don't glamorize it, because if you're in it, you know how how hard it actually is, but it is the challenge and it's everything all day, every day. It's employees. It's like this issue. It's a supply thing. It's like, it's it just, it's like this nonstop sort of thing. Even at product market fit, even when you're growing and you're getting sales like, oh, then you're out of stock. You know, like you, you, you had spoken earlier, but it's like that sort of aspect of it. I do believe you have to be built for it. You know what Agreed. I mean? Like, and that's why like certain people are born to be athletes. Certain people are born to be scholars and certain people are born to be entrepreneurs. You can learn some of the skills. I'm not saying, but, yeah. but like, it's just a fulfilling process. Even when you're getting your ass kicked, yeah. right? That's yeah. what I find. I want to build things. Yeah. I want to, I like to go, this was a piece of paper. We wrote it on a few things. And then five years later, it's a, it's doing $20 million in revenue. Oh, like, I mean, look, and like, that's fun to me. I love it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's that the actual process of idea, uh, to like, um, a rendering to a thing, to someone buying it to scale is like this extraordinary thing that I, that I love, you know, it kind of makes me sad that in this particular venture that we're in, that we didn't have this conversation early, you know, as we were negotiating and, and, and building this opportunity together, oh, I was just struggling, like, because I love, like, I, you know, because I love the way that you think. I know you're the real deal. I know you think the way that you need to be, and you found the right idea that has all the fundamentals to go out and, and hit the market timing and get lucky to create a, a, a huge opportunity, right? It just pains me to not know that me and you just had a conversation and just like, ooh, that's it. Bring this it is like the Let's live. Go. This is a live renegotiation, everybody. <laughs> You're hearing it live. This you is know, how business really hey, works. Hey, and hey, and then, then it was like, once I got past that, then it was like, all right, let's, I, I just really want to do this company with you, uh, and, and believe in the idea. Well, I appreciate that by the way. Yeah. And, and look, and I, and I think even, even in, in the first few minutes of meeting you and, and then just, uh, talking about Which business 14 minutes ago, <laughs> you know, it just reinforces not only my belief in, in sort of my instincts, right. But ultimately like you also have the, that, that, that experience that went along with, um, you know, having another venture in the full cycle, right. Of like from idea to then raising capital to then, uh, ultimately being acquired. There, there's just so much that's, that's, that's learned and that, that can be applied to limit the amount of learning curve in the future venture, right. That I think a lot of people just don't, don't often come to market, if you will, as an opportunity to to invest in and partner with at an early stage. Uh, very often, right? Because a lot of times, like uh, they've they 
will go and build completely by themselves and or continue running that company for a significant amount of time. But before I get jump into how we ended up here even further, just give me the brief history of of greats, of highs and lows, and and ultimately like what um, the path to exit and that sort of journey in a timeline. It was believed that we could create a company that was going to offer something premium, very clean, sort of neutral in style, made in Italy at a price that nobody in the world could do. Yeah. And again, for those that don't know, greats is a footwear brand that ultimately was, you know, the intention was how do you deliver a 500 to a thousand dollar shoe for like one, one ninety nine, one seventy nine type of thing was the right. concept. And we, you know, we were the first digitally native or what most people call D to C sneaker company in the world. Yeah. And at that time, you know, Facebook was a different place. We weren't advertising on Facebook, by the way, we didn't advertise for the first 18 months, didn't spend a dollar, yeah. not one not one yeah, so where did those sales come from? Just well, pure momentum, yeah, energy. Instagram was something new, and we were leveraging that on a, on a free, on a free basis. Yeah. We had a lot of people talking about us. All the press was writing about us, and and something that was unique and still is today about sneakers and streetwear. That endemic channel has a disproportionate amount of um, media. Yeah, hype beast, high snob, complex sneaker news. You know, it's just yeah. for a category, it's really unique in, in how many places people talk about it. it. Has its own core media. Right. And it's there's no there's yeah. no zip up jacket news channel, right? Yeah. But like sneakers, yeah, there's about 50. Yeah, yeah. And it was becoming even bigger. So so the timing of that, like people were just talking about us. And that really drove the first 18 months of growth, which was miraculous to be honest. And then did you just feel like we did it? I did. I got this thing. This is it. Of course I'm an entrepreneur. I should have been doing this all this time. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> because, because I'll tell you the first, this is a, this is a true story. Yeah. Uh, we launch, we had, we had our friends texting us because the press was out. Greats is launching at 12 o'clock today. Yeah. 12 o'clock goes, 1231. People are texting us. What the fuck? I'm on, can't get on the site. We were two and a half hours late on the launch time. Yeah. That's yeah, day one, yeah. step one. <laughs> the quick, the, here are the quick, here are the quick lessons, right? Day one, we sold a pair of shoes every 90 seconds. Yeah. Amex didn't work. Oh. We had, a, we looked back on Shopify. We're like, wow, we had 120 orders on Amex that couldn't go through because the site was broken. And then, and then, so after this, like this day with all of that trouble, revenue, like, oh my God, our sneakers were stuck <laughs> in the warehouse in customs for like three weeks. So you didn't, you never we brought them We couldn't even in. ship them. You had, they were we like import? See, we didn't even see them yet. Wow. But why'd you do it? You were just like, ah, don't that matter. was launch day. We were committed to launch day of Man. August 8th wow. to catch the back to school sessions. Wow. And so what happened? Did people return, complain? We, like, we, we had almost no returns. Okay. But we wrote multiple mea culpa letters to everybody that bought. Yeah. Just giving the truth, telling them the truth. Yeah. Sorry, these are delayed. This is what happened. They weren't labeled right. They got stuck in customs. We've remedied it. They're finally getting to our warehouse. They'll ship out. And we did that like three times. Yeah. Over yeah. the course of three weeks. Man. Because we kept missing and missing and missing. But the point of that is that really is, that that's my journey, but that's not unique in that pretty much everybody that starts a company yeah. has a version of that story. Unless they have the experience. Right. Because you wouldn't allow that to happen again. You would have pushed the launch date. Say, wait till this yep. is customs. Make sure we clear this. Let's, let's make sure we run checks, checks for butt. Like you're going to go and do like, nah, you wouldn't even, you would, that's the, the depth of the learning curve of what happens for first time entrepreneurs right. versus experienced entrepreneurs. Right. And, and, and I think that keeps growing over the years that go by and, and each sort of bigger challenge that, that you were faced with that you learned from is just building in that arsenal to prepare you for 
the venture that you're building today, you know? And, and I think that comes down to like a, a simple thing that we're taught when we're young, like work hard or work smart. Look, nothing replaces hard work, yep. but you can be smarter about how you do it. And those mistakes that we made in the beginning will happen less frequently Yeah, on the second time. Yeah. And look, hard work is fundamental. But it, it's just the, the truth of the matter that you can work so hard and so inefficiently. You know what I mean? Like, and you can also get the same amount accomplished without working like your, yourself to the bone. Like you ultimately want to get something to where it's so automated and there's ease to it with time, right? Like, and e easier said than done, depending on the type of business that you end up creating, but you do want to get to a place where you're now optimizing and, and scaling customers and product line and, and, and ultimately your marketing and reach and distribution, as opposed to just fighting for revenue and every single sort of aspect and fighting to get customers in the very beginning. Because I think one of the things about footwear is, you know, the lifetime value of somebody as it relates to how many they're going to buy of a shoe, especially on a yearly basis, it, it depends on the type of shoe and what it, what it is in their um, sort of closet, right? And for the most part, it's going to be, you know, one uh, or two maybe, you know what I mean? Versus like, you know, certain products that are consumed, you know, an energy drink or a, a, a healthy bar snack, like is a month over month, month yeah, over every month, week they're buying yeah. it again. Yeah. You I know. mean, that's a category specific thing. And that's, yeah. it's true. Some things are consumables or consumed more. You might have a, a stickier brand where footwear is harder. You just don't need them at the same level of frequency. But in, ultimately after you know, I stepped away from grades September of last year, so September 2020, and I was really contemplating what we're doing together now yeah. for years. It had been in something in my head for years. But I also wanted to give myself a little space to say, all right, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Like, this is, you know what this game is, so do you want to play it? Do you want to go run another company, which was another opportunity? Or do you want to go work at a fund, which is another opportunity? Yeah. Those yeah, are my yeah. sort of, and I gave myself like, all right, I'm going to take four months and really think this through. And in four weeks, I was working on, <laughs> on <laughs> straight up. Hey, no, that's, that, that's the truth. Cause it's also like, man, like working for somebody and there's the, the fund is interesting right because then you get to see you get to you get to, you get to look inside of a lot of things and how people are walking and and I think a lot of people that go and work at a fund and then go build again like it gives them a refreshed look at a space to kind of find another opportunity potentially but you know, running, if you went and were like the CEO of another footwear brand, like, boy, you're just, now you're just like, now you're going through basically the same pain uh, for a check, you know right. what I'm saying? For a more consistent and, and, and maybe some upside, depending on what, what, what that footwear brand was that you probably uh, had that opportunity on. But it's a, that's still a tough thing versus like, the feeling of like had this idea, created this thing, brought it to market. Now it's so much easier to fight for something that like um, that you created, right? It's like it is like creating a child, uh, more or less, you know. Yeah, and you bet on yourself if you have the uh, entrepreneurs bet on themselves. That's another thing that's common about all of them, right? Yeah, you bet on yourself, and that is a scary, no net, high wire act. Yeah. But that's what entrepreneurs sort of embrace. Yeah. And, and I think it, it, again, with experience, when you, you get better and better at, at viewing opportunity and understanding the pathway and the pitfalls, right? It's like, you know, knowing, um, you know, it's, we talk so much about minimizing the burn, right? I would say almost like in the beginning till revenues there, like make sure of really managing your cash. I think the, you know, the biggest thing uh, for people that are able to go out and raise money too, is you just, you raise, you know, a couple million dollars and let's start the company. And you just start like burning money and hired a marketing guy and got a brand manager. And like, you're just burning money. And like, oh, like in every, almost every single venture 
that I launched in the machine in the first vintage, I would say the 2016-17 vintage, every single one of them was was six months to a year behind. Every single, to getting to market, every single one of them burned, needed probably, you know, a million and a half to two million dollars and burned through the capital that they had before they ever even got to market. Right. So now you're like going out to capital, like now we're ready to go and we're worth a little bit more because now we have a product. Right. It's like in, in, in to me, we're not going to do that, by the way. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> Look, we've, we've, hey, we've Just both so you, grown yeah, out of that. We're not doing that. We've both grown out of that. And, and to me, it's like, it, it's like, it's also the idea of you gotta, you, you, until you see that, that clear shot to revenue. And then even then it's like, until you begin to, to create growth, cause you don't, you want to have the actual growth to validate if you need more capital, uh, to, to limit that, to the dilution, right? You just don't want to get caught in that place where you're just like raising money to keep trying to like figure out how to make it work, especially on a note where when that thing finally converts, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, bottom of the stack. You know guess, guess what? You are working for somebody. <laughs> for real. Like, you, you, really, you, you really are working for capital now. And look, most like people that, that get in entrepreneurs that like think like, oh, I want to raise money. And there's nothing wrong. Raising money is like a, I think there's two worlds to it. There's some people that are like, oh, this world of people raising money uh, isn't, isn't how it used to be versus like the people that glorify raising money is the victory rather than growth, success, and, and, and the actual business finding consumer and, and growing uh, is the success, right? Like, but it's still Raising money is a great thing. You can raise money from great strategics. Us being partners and investing with you, we come with this depth of knowledge and and a, and a way to to amplify and ultimately be a support system for you, like holy right. And that's beyond the capital. Well, that, this is that another. We put on, I think right? this is another great lesson. You know, I had raised. If you want to talk about VCs, like I can talk about that a lot here, by the way, and it isn't yeah. going to be pretty. People yeah. aren't going to like what I have to say. Yeah, and they tell, know us, who they tell are. us your but, lessons. But, but from, the the from lesson that. is pick your partners wisely. Right, that is my lesson uh, that I learned, and I think you're right. Glamorizing fundraising is there's nothing glamorous about fundraising. Yeah, you might as well get on the fucking corner with a hat and just <laughs> start <laughs> dancing because, like, man. that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at asking for money. What I am good at is presenting an opportunity. This is the narrative. This is what we're going to go build. So if you can, if I can get out of my own head and just focus on the job, because it is a yeah. job. It is a, it is a means to an end. We all need capital to do things. But there's very few businesses that don't have a need for capital. It's just raise the right amount is always my yeah. advice. Don't be negative on it and don't raise too much because that's equally as bad. Yeah. But first time founders may glamorize the process yeah. and think that, you know, it's, it's a win and a success. And it's really just the starting line of going backwards because you start spending and uh, it, you gotta, re, you gotta refill that thing. Hey, it, is the, <laughs> it is literally the starting line of going backwards. Like you have a, the moment, like, it's not like this glorious thing. It should be like, now the real panic starts. Yeah. It's like, tick, 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 reverse. Tick. yeah, it's just like, and man, I'm imagine doing it over and over and over where you keep raising money and allowing stuff to get to allowing burns to start when and seeing product delays and just watching that thing just tilt all the way back is is really painful as this venture hybrid of of kind of putting up all your own money and doing multiple ventures and and relying on partners to drive uh, ultimately the production and the, and the go to market and the product and the marketing where you're here to support it. And then that like drag, like back to back to back, that was probably the deepest lesson that I learned as, it, as it's related to like managing capital and capital staging and how like the moment you launch that thing, it is the dog fight now. And it's like, what can you do to accelerate to getting product market fit and finding the right consumer that connects with this thing and now becomes your revenue source, right? Like that's our, you know, going to be like the thing yeah, we, that I we mean, fight we, for, you know and, what I mean? And it's funny because you've been through this 26 times, so you yeah. have even more knowledge on this, but 
you want to start generating revenue as soon as you possibly can. And I actually, looking back, you said something, oh, you would know better. You would have delayed the launch. Is that better? Maybe, right? Because we were generating revenue. We yeah. just had to ask for forgiveness to some of our consumers. Yeah. But we had started to put money in the bank. And like, there's something to that, yeah. you know, yeah. as like we talk it through, like, well, you better ask for forgiveness yeah, and, and then and, run out of cash. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, but would you, would you, would you, if you knew it was just going to be like, Hey, they're going to be stuck in port for a while. Like, I wouldn't have done it differently, to be honest. Yeah. I would have done it the same way. Yeah, Look, as your advisor, I would have said, look, it's your call. <laughs> it's your company. But, but why go through the pain of like all these people getting a bad taste in their you mouth? You know what I mean? Some negative connotation there. You know? <laughs> bad yeah. customer experience. Yeah. Look, you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't rethink that a little bit. I would. Yeah. You know, and, and looks like, like I think all of them, because it's not like you're not going to be faced with that type of questions and decisions and challenges the whole way through, as you spoke of earlier, you know. So what I'd love to get into now is is um, the concept of Jolie, where it came from, and, and ultimately the vision as you see it um, right now. And then I'd like to to then kind of add on to that of what, what I really love about it, what, what I love about like um, it, you as an entrepreneur that led to this idea and, and the opportunity, then I'd like to, I'd love to dive into sort of a lot of the stuff we looked at in the discovery, uh, immersion that we did to kind of give some, some insight further to the opportunity as well. So, so tell us about like the vision for Jolie. Yeah. Well, you know, Jolie is a, is a beauty wellness company and our first product is going to be a shower filter. And, and as I say that, people are probably going to listen and go, what? How could a shower filter be a beauty and wellness tool? And the, the, I'll start where the idea came from. I was actually, on, I mentioned earlier, it was years. I was, a, I was on holiday. I was down in Tortola on a break. And I was like pondering, like, what would I do next? And I actually came up with three attributes of a business that the business would have to have these. Catered to vanity or vice. And I chose vanity which ultimately was like, do good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No sizes. Cause like in footwear, you learn about yeah. sizes and yeah, fit. Yeah. Like, nope, don't would like to not do that. And the third was a high frequency of use, like something that you use every day habitually without question. Yeah. And that was, those were the, the parameters. And I came back, wrote that down on a whiteboard a couple of years later, years. Wow. I was in the shower. I was like, something's wrong. There's something in the water. I bought a filter and like my legs were just not as dry as they used to be. Yeah. Like the filter worked. And up until that point, you'd never even like no. contemplated it. No. It was just like, man, I know it's this water that's making my skin dry or whatever yeah. it may be. So at the, at the same time I was paralleling this, I was one looking for something that was going to work and that was aesthetically nice that fit our aesthetics in the bathroom and two i was researching water and then this collision happened and i was like holy shit i know what the next company is and i know what the hero product's going to be and we're going to solve the problem of unhealthy water for better skin and hair health yeah and that's how jolie came to be and what people do not realize is the water in this country, all of the municipal water is filled with harmful contaminants, which is primarily chlorine, which we need to make water safe for drinking. But that chlorine is really bad for your skin and it's yeah. really bad for your hair. And it's really bad for your overall wellness. Like yeah. it actually, you know, the skin is the largest organ in your body. All of that stuff just goes into your body. And over, you know, you shower from the time you're eight to you die yeah. <laughs> so that's a long hey, time hey, it's really when you start thinking about like just like it like building up and like you're you're just your fluffy organ of skin just trying to live <laughs> and it's just getting filled with chemicals over and over and, 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 and it's and so when you discovered the opportunity what led to the name jolie well my wife's name is jolie okay and it also means pretty in French. Yeah. So there's sort of a double entendre. And it just felt right. Like, I like to humanize brands. And I yeah. think that our approach is going to be very real. 
and very conversational. And Jolie is going to be like your friend. Yeah. And it will be this thing that you actually look at every day and have a relationship with in a, in a very intimate way because the shower is a place of discovery, energy, resetting, thoughtfulness. Like think about the shit you do in the shower every day. I'm yeah, sure yeah. good ideas come in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I do want to touch on the fact that you know, in my effort to try to put, put more of a stamp on the opportunity, I did try to push you to uh, rename the brand. Um, and what I'm telling everybody here is I tried to push this man to change it, his wife's name off of this concept so that I could appease my need, <laughs> my personal need to be able to be part of naming a brand because it's one of my favorite parts of the concept. I tried to be like, I, what about, are you sure your wife wants He's that? Like, what Let's about go. Rob? How, do you like the name Rob? <laughs> no, no, no. What about Robet? Do you, do you, it's French what? for good looking. It is, it's French for relaxing. You hey, know, look, so. there's going to be plenty of time for naming yeah. convention yeah look things, it's not the same it's not the same it, I, not only do i get excited about like you know the process of like when when coming up with it but going through it but going through, I, man i just love it so much and and then I, I i really like when when names connect to the core value prop right and but we didn't do that with Luso, right? Because we wanted, since Luso was, hey, we're going more for this comfort brand and like want um, in the typography to be soft. We want the sound to be soft. You know, it was, a, it was connecting to it, but different, right? And then not like something like Mind Right, which is like, uh, you know, outstanding pig out, these brands that then connect directly back to the value proposition of the product. There's sort of an elegance like that needs well, to happen. Well, not to, not to cut you off. Yeah. You know, the Jolie Skin Company means the pretty skin company. That is a value proposition. No. So, so to me... And, you know, we, in our negotiation, you know, I kept kind of poking, what about this, Joel? And, and you would sell me on, it's really, a lot of people are talking about, it's really starting to feel good to people. And like, you didn't tell me like, no, we couldn't. You, you, you kept saying to me, whatever's best for the opportunity. We can do right. So, Entrepreneur ruled one hundred and one. <laughs> yeah, so you never can't, say no. Hey, yeah, hey, you would just like, hey, not saying that we can't. And 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 it really, over time, you were right, right? It really does, and it does connect back to uh, beautiful skin and and hair, and just ultimately. Like, but it, it's not on the nose. Right. And it has like, it, you know, since it does, um, you know, feel more humanized, right. And, and more connected. And then when you look at the space, there's then nothing like it. Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I think that's the, the other side of it too, where you, where you, where you nailed it dead on. Right. And, and let me just say like, what, what I'm you know, it, it was a shotgun, shotgun venture deal from our side where normally we, we, we like to start from the idea stage, go through discovery, begin to do a deep immersion, see the insights, begin to shape it along the way as we're understanding who it is. And, and as we're going, then we go through diligence and begin to put the brand together and really have a deep understanding of, of the opportunity before we pulled the trigger. We just skipped all that, pulled the trigger. Let's, let, let's just go for it. Right. And, and there was two factors. One is, is your experience. And I just, I could tell in talking to you a few times of like, now this is how you actually have to think. This is truly like, I'm going to go and, and everything that I'm learned is going to lead up to creating and making a successful venture from this opportunity, which is always the right timing. But I like to say someone's magnum opus, right? Like their opportunity to take all their knowledge and to, to create their greatest work as an entrepreneur. And when, when it was first shared to me of like, yeah, it's like something in like beauty water. I thought it was like a ready to drink collagen drink. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I was like, I'm like, man, we can't be like diving it. Like, like this guy's trying to launch a collagen water. This is like really what I thought. And then like, it, it took me but a second 
to understand the concept of like, and then immediately I just searched everything, asked my wife, like, and cause I immediately could see the consumption, like, oh my God, you got the hardware, then you have the filter, right? That, that if somebody really, if this really makes a difference and really improves their quality of life and quality of skin and hair, like they'll be loyal to it forever. And then that, that filter becomes this reoccurring, I, I, in an instant, I'm like, it validated the opportunity and you even further to me because then it's like, okay, this is somebody with experience, how they ha- should be looking at an opportunity, right? And, and that's why it made it really easy, even with really searching and looking at the filter market itself and, and how it's been approached, uh, it's clear that that nobody has really, really attacked it and really made something that matters and communicates how important it is to filter the water if you want your very best skin. Yeah, hair, and right? and look, we think that CPG beauty is traditionally a CPG business, right? It's yeah. a, a consumer packaged good. You buy a thing, a topical, a lotion, a serum, or whatever, and that's fine. And they they have efficacy and they do something. But they won't be as good as they could be if the water is harmful, right. and it is. And yep. we can prove it. I mean, we have a database of every water supply in the country by zip code that is not de- developed by us. That's developed by the state, by law. They have to report what's in the water. And we'll just show you. And then you can sort of make a decision like, do I want this in my shower and bath water or do I not? And I think we all inherently understand that the levels of chlorine that are in our water are not good. Like they're just not. Yeah. And if you strip that out, which we do and, and, and other contaminants that we won't get into right now, but there are a a, a sort of a list of the top 10 offenders, if you will, people will see a result in a week. Yeah. Full stop. And we'll guarantee it. And if they don't, We'll, we'll refund your money. Yeah. Like we're giving a 60 day money to get money day, money back guarantee yeah. because you're going to just see a difference and feel a difference. And, and as you said, that's sort of a lifetime commitment and the re and then that becomes, this is the most essential tool in your beauty and hair arsenal because yeah. it's not about what you put on it as much as it is like the water you're using first, let's solve that. And then what you put on it is going to even be, be better. So it's, yeah. It's a daily routine, and once somebody tries it, we we just think they're lifers. Like we we just don't think they're ever going to leave. All right, let's let's talk about you know part of our process is we like to do immersions. We like to do a big big immersion. Deep so, dive so immersion. Look, and I love them. You know what I mean? I love every <laughs> part of the process. Top, down, but sideways. Boy, oh man, any which way. But look, I now, wish we had it on the screen. Oh, we, we should we, just hey, walk hey, them hey, through it. If 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 we had this on the screen right now, this podcast would be like four hours long. It's you ninety-five get, pages. Get your you, know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be curious. You know, I love them. Like not 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 where they're going to give you any direct answers. Like, so I think you can get something like that and anybody can, can gather insights, right. And, and point in any direction. And I feel like those documents are basically built for people to just know. I think diligence as a whole is built for you just not to do something, right? It's not like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tell me why we say no again. Yeah. Give it's just more like, all the reasons of saying no. Right. So, so I, what I love about I, I think that immersion, all 95 pages of that glory of both <laughs> uh, the showerhead industry and ultimately a lot of beauty information really validate your vision, right? And, and a, a, couple of, a couple of key things, right? Like, like, number one, there was a big thing that like, you know, like 85% of the United States doesn't trust their water. Right. So there's already like a distrust in sort of like how the quality of water that already has to be filtered a lot of different ways already. Right. And why people drink bottled water and all that. I think another, you know, when you really look at those who spend the most money are uh, in beauty, uh, they really care primarily about their hair and skin. Right. So it's like even even that sort of range and it and it and it's you know, it's mainly a 19 to like 40 year old sort of like biggest share of wallet. 
But I think that's ultimately when then now you triangulate that with every single thing in the space, right? When you look at every single brand that's that's creating a, a water filter system for, for skin, it, it is, they're almost all sort of antiquated older brands, right? So it's like, it just begins to make it even more clear that the opportunity, it is really white space. Like there's some people dabbling in it, but nobody's come in and, and, and tried to own this space, which I think, you know, it, it falls in two, two ways when it's that wide open, you know, you got to make the market, right? Like I, I almost look at that as probably when, when I, when I look at, at challenges, like big ones, like, okay, what's the big challenge? Like, okay, this is making the market. At the end of the day, like it, it's now convincing the, the, a significant portion of people that care, which is a large, large audience consumer base that like you need to focus on your water first is there's a general education uh, to it because in the data now, the filtered systems is now a really a, a relatively small size of the market, right? Like of the, you know, $3 billion market size, the actual um, filter and, and shower head system with the filter is, you know, closer to like, you know, six, 700 million, right? So you really got to go out and make the market. But I think it, it to me validated ultimately your vision of like, nope, it's skin, it's quality of water matters. This is what means the most to them. If you can solve this for them, they're going to have better in hair skin. Their products are going to be better for them. I think that albeit a very hardcore 95 page document <laughs> to me really validated uh, uh, your entire thesis in the opportunity. When you said validation, the first time you just taught it, you were talking about the immersion. That is the word that I was going to say back because yeah. I, when I, when you sent me that, I was like, oh, wow, this further validates yeah. our entire thesis on the space. And we did our own version of that, not, not quite as in depth, <laughs> but it, it made it even more, it gave it more clarity. And, and, and the, the fact is that there are micro players in the market. I think their approach to the market is not right. Um, our approach is going to be very novel and unique. We're branded different. We're talking about it different. We're going to communicate different. We're going to be relevant. And I think all great brands create relevancy, which is essentially conversation all over the place. Yep. Everybody talking about you everywhere. We're not looking about, we're not talking to plumbers. Yeah. <laughs> we, although, go, we, man, although we man, might. You, hey, get but, those old hard but, and fat sausage fingers. Our, get those things nice and smooth <laughs> with the Jolie water filter. That's not our core. Yeah. Our core audience, all, but traditional shower heads, they are. Um, yeah. And we're not, we're not taking that approach at all. I think, you know, we, we think design really matters. I think style is, is an important play here. And, and we've often said, the de design of Nest, the efficacy of Brita for, for better skin and hair quality. And like, I use Nest as a comp because before Nest, people didn't really think about their thermostat as any sort of thing other than a thing that turned on the heat totally. or off. Yeah. That box right behind me, yeah. that's actually a nice one. Yeah. It's like silver. It's aluminum. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not like beige plastic hey, with a red slider. Because it's from like the 50s yeah, when that it was looks like, like they a, were trying to be look, like, like mid-century modern. You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, <laughs> we're going to take a cue from aeronautics and put that gauge on yeah, there, which yeah, it kind of reminded yeah, me of. Yeah. But, but then Ness comes along and creates this sort of a status symbol, really, like a, a, an identifiable high style, high function tool that didn't exist before. And then they sold the company for a few billion dollars a couple yep. of years later. And that, that is sort of the way we're approaching the market. Like, you know, we just think there's opportunity from here into the entire room of the bathroom, yep. uh, all focused on better skin, hair, and wellness. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we made it happen. 
uh, I, I, it's been a lot of fun. Every conversation, this has been a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I think I, uh, will get to learn a lot from you, uh, in, inside this journey as well. I, I, I think your process is and way of thinking is not only right, but it, it's this like, let's let me micro fail 95 times before saying yes or no. Like, let's get a rat. Let's do it. But there's a, it's the energy that it takes to, to win. You know, I'm curious since you don't, uh, we've only spoken a few times and now we're partners, right? <laughs> now, 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 look, that's it. We're bound together. We're you know, in, we man. say build together bound forever, man. We're partners for life now. Uh, any, any questions uh, that do you have for me? Uh, just uh, anything you'd like to know that maybe you're curious about, well, I mean, about me. <laughs> wow. I don't, I, I hope I learn from you. Like you want to learn from me. I want to learn from you. That's what yeah. good partners should do. I don't know if I have any questions that come off that I could answer, ask on this show. So yeah. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep it for the college but, kids. But, uh, know. I really do respect what you've built. Like, and, and I've seen your journey on TV, by the way, and then yeah. like to where you are still on TV, but like this entire machine that you built, uh, that was inspiring because when I told people, hey, because uh, we were oversubscribed in our note, like we had, uh, we had some other investors that were sort of in position yeah, and I sort of shot all that down to go into business with you. Yeah. And that was sort of a, my, like Rob's evolution from what I could see and what I could learn in our, in our discussions was inspiring to me. So, um, I'm hoping to learn from you as well. Well, look, I already have. Yeah. Well, you've been sending an email to your wife each brain, morning. Brain training every day, oh, yeah. getting up, like, a, you know, gratefulness. Hey. Like I'm doing, hey, you I'm get not up, joking. Hey, you get up every day at four 30. Well, I'm not there say yet. What but... you're grateful for <laughs> yeah. and brain train and meditate. Yeah. We're guaranteed a mega X. Dude, I'm doing two to three. Yeah. I meditate. Yeah. I meditate in other ways. But... All right. Look, I got a gift for you. Okay. This is oh. a deer deck machine. Oh my God. Citrine abundance stone. Okay. God. By possessing I this. I can't handle this kind of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that might, I might not be that responsible. Listen to me. <laughs> by, by taking this with you on your journey, you are guaranteed extraordinary abundance, both financially and spiritually. So Ryan, it is a privilege to be in business with you. <laughs> Do I take it with two hands? And may you, may you take this abundance stone. <laughs> and generate extraordinary wealth for yourself and your partners down here at the Deer Deck Machine. Dude, thank that, you. Thank you. For coming along for the ride, being on the show, and I look forward to doing many more as, as we build this company over the next few years. Man. Likewise, I appreciate it. Till next time, this is Rob Deerdeck and Build with Rob. All right, that is it for our show. Make sure you follow Build with Rob wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, if you watch it on YouTube, make sure you subscribe at YouTube backslash Deerdeck Machine. And look, if you want to join the process, be one of our consumer collaborators and, and, and be inside the machine method, go to DeerdeckMachine.com and become a machinist. We want to have you here. And now if you got an amazing idea, you are a true do or die entrepreneur, then you find Are You a Do or Die on DeerDickMachine.com and you pitch us an idea. You might just end up on this show. Uh, and look, no matter who you are, you got to have the eyes to make sure it's happening. You got to make sure in your heart that it can be real. And you got to know you got the energy to push it forward. It is see it, believe it, and do it. Until next time, I'm Rob Deerdeck.